on this week's show. Defeated but not downhearted, we hear from Maidstone United boss Hacken Retton after they came out on the wrong end of the top of the table clash with Dorking Wanderers. I don't think it's going to define what's going to happen until the end of the season, but from my point, personal point of view, we didn't really show the spectators what we've been producing. All is looking good at Irith Town, a new contract for their manager Adam Woodward. Chairman Mark Devaney explains why. Be a chairman, have a very close relationship with him and... You know, I like to reward loyalty. You're very loyal to the club. And Irith and Belvedere have hit form as the season comes to an end. Joined by Danny Murphy tells us why the future's bright for the Deers as well. We're going to build a team of players who have the same common goal and that's trying to get promotion. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, sponsored by Nick Cunningham Plumbing and Heating. A bit of an irith special for you this week as we hear from both Town and um, and Belvedere, uh, who've both had decent seasons in the scaffold and are pushing for a strong finish to the campaign. And we've also got one more interview which arrived after I'd written that and and Belvedere gag, and I didn't really want to lose that, to be honest. Uh, anyway, I'm John Phipps, who's in a massive sporting 24 hours, bowling, snooker and now football chatting. And on the line now is a man who I've shared a lot of potty mouth messages with in the last couple of days is of course matt gerard how are you my friend not bad not bad bowling what 10 pin 10 pin how did you get on uh i, I think got 150 to be decent yeah I'm, I'm not that i'm not decent then i think the second one i got 111 any uh, strikes yeah i got three strikes at the end i think in in oh. in the end so in the second game the first game took a bit of time to warm up i think i did on 88 the first one but 111 on the second so not bad but is, that, is there a local one in Eastbourne, is there? Yeah, it's a little bit out of town, but um, we've been a couple of times with with a sort of group of friends and there was eight of us in total and I think I came third. So I'll take that. It's I'll, quite a good night out, though, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It wasn't bad. And it was uh, Tuesday nights at the uh, at the local bowling here. It's half-priced bowling and half-priced drinks. So it was packed, absolutely packed. There wasn't a lane to be had. What sort of uh, age groups is that? Students, mainly. Oh, is it? All right. uh, we looked there? a little bit out of place, to be honest. Well, was there anybody who was really brilliant who was constantly getting there? Uh, um, three hundred. Three hundred. Well, I mean, I was only really focusing on, on our, uh, our our little gang, and and one of my friends got uh, he must have got two hundred and thirty over the two games. Uh, but he, th- he 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 thinks he's quite good. So you know, there, and there were other people you could see knocking over a lot of the skills, but most of them had the bloody bumpers up. I mean, unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Did you have funny names and you put on the computer screen as well? Well, now that's the story. Now, my friend, uh, my friend put the names in at the desk and we weren't aware of this. And um, he put the names in and instead of he got everybody else's name absolutely bang on. And I was on there as Jen. So oh, the right, first nice. order of the day was to change that. So, uh, but no, it, was, it was good. Good fun. out. You and the girls go bowling? We have been. We talk about going actually again because they used to be, they're sort of like Bugsies in Margate. Is the main one. They used to have one of the big ones, you know, the, the chain ones, but they don't have that now. I don't know how popular it is, 10 pin bowling, but it was quite popular at the time, wasn't it? In some Pretty. sort of period in time. Probably mid 90s, do you reckon? Oh, probably. Yeah, because it was early 90s, I'd say it was pretty big. So I think people were seeing it from America and everything, weren't they? And things like that. And, yeah, you know, and, and I think it had a bit of a resurgence when the Wii came out because a lot of people like Wii bowling. Oh, yeah, didn't yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. There used to be a, there used to be a good, good um, pub game where you could do things i remember going to the pub and you used to put ladies games like but and there was a good one there you had to spin it you know like a like a little ball thing and you just did it all right yeah i don't mind a bit of 10 pin bowling the kids would enjoy it i think as well so we did actually think talk about going so maybe we'll have to do that again uh sooner rather than later 
the Gerald family crew. And do you know what, Matt? You're talking about Bugsies in Margate. Reminded me that it just popped into my head. Do you remember Brandy Bucks in Margate, Cliftonville? Yeah, yeah, I went there. Yeah, that's what it, we what, went. What there a because, loss! Because that was um, really good. Well, you get loads and loads of food there, really, really cheap. I remember. I think it was when we were doing it. So um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandy Bucks. It was a. It was sort of underneath, and it was some sort of goblins and things like that, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? It was really strange. I remember going for, like, we used to go... I remember the ice creams used to be huge yeah. as well. We used to, like, kind of all go up there a couple of times a year as, like, a family, because with us being... We were near Canterbury, and, and uh, the rest of my family were kind of in sitting one way. So it was kind of a, oh, well, we've both got to travel the same sort of distance sort of thing. So we used to meet down there. So at least once a year we'd go down there. And I, I was I was most I've got no I idea where it is or where it was in Margate. Of course, not being Margate at the time, I'd love to know actually where um where it was. Brandy. Now I've got a rough idea because I actually think, and and I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong by any Margate locals listening, but I think it was quite a bit out of the town. I think it was Cliftonville way. Yeah. Um, I think it was kind of quite deep in the Cliftonville sort of area, and um, I've, I've, and I've, I've got I can just see it being there was a there's a sort of road that runs parallel to the seafront. Yeah, yeah. And I can see that it was on a sort of side road off that. And he used um, to go down. He used to go down the sort of stairs, didn't you? Into it from there. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. crazy oh, times. Eh? Walk down memory lane that I didn't exactly. think would be yeah, happening in the first. Don't get that on the other podcast. Well, maybe there is a, a Margate's local podcast, Brandy Bucks. Yeah, I remember that. So. I bet. I bet I'll ask somebody. About... It tomorrow, but it was. I expect. I'll ask somebody tomorrow. Yeah, I expect they just talk about Brandy Bucks and Ben Bomb Brothers the whole time yeah. on the Margate History Podcast. Uh, anyway, it's our 205th episode this week, and that is both a lucky number, apparently, although I wouldn't rush out and put it on the lottery, and a Wollstonehome number, which apparently is nothing to do with either football commentator Ken or Dippy Coronation Street barmaid Raquel. And of course, there is the Peugeot 205, which was first produced in 1983, and a car which really Peugeot in the mass market. Now, my car history is quite dull, all Fords and Vauxhalls for me. Uh, but Matt, have you ever owned a Peugeot? Yes, I had a Peugeot 306. Red one, diesel, from probably, till I got mine to see at, that must have been 2000 to 2007. Good car. Good Peugeot 306 XI might have been, things like that, you know? So, yeah, nice nice car. I remember the seats had a problem. The seats started collapsing, so longer I went on, I was sitting lower and lower down. I didn't really like it. But I, it was a good car, that. Yeah, I enjoyed that car. Good, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it. I'll say, I, I think I've driven one. I've enjoyed all my cars, to be fair. I love. I, I would have kept that car if I didn't have to get rid of it. Um, and that was a diesel, so that used to go a long way, sort of thing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. What, what have you got now? You've got some new fancy damn thing, haven't you? Uh, I've got a little runaround, a Chevrolet Cavalier. So I've, I've got a Volvo. Volvo, so that's a nice car, yeah, very nice car as well. So, which is getting more and more expensive to fill up, but um, that's that's the the concerning thing as the cost of fuel and driving everywhere. Um, yes, but that's that's life, I suppose, isn't it? So, um, yeah, it is worrying the petrol prices. I mean, I've only got a Vauxhall Corsa and that cost me 65 quid to fill it up yesterday, so uh, you know, that's a bit of a concern, isn't it? But what can you do? Well, well, exactly, everything's going up in price, mate. So, um yeah, so, yeah, everything well, we'll is going up in price. But yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Well, fortunately, we're not in a position like some people are at the moment, so we, we shouldn't be too. Um, yeah, but you know, I think uh, people's money in their pockets are probably not a great deal at the moment, is there? 
No, and of course, I should say, obviously, this is a silly football show. Uh, we are aware that there are massive things going on in the world, uh, not things that any of us are enjoying seeing. Uh, but obviously, we do just like to keep things as normal as we can here on the Kent Only podcast. We did it all through the bloody pandemic, so we might as well carry on through the war. Um, anyway, let's start with an interview that we just about managed to get in time for this week's show, which comes after the biggest game of the season so far in the National League South. A game which, sadly, didn't go the way of the Kent side as Maidstone's long unbeaten run came to an end against league leaders Dorking Wanderers. As six points is the gap now. Matt started by asking Stones boss Hakane Retin about that loss in Surrey. It was a big game. I don't think it's going to define what's going to happen until the end of the season. But from my point of personal point of view, we didn't really show the spectators what we've been producing on a consistency. And um, but it was a nervy game. It was a tense game and it was one of them goals that... Whoever scored it would have won it, and you know they they scored it, and we never, you know, it was a deflected goal as well. So, but you know, from a, I was a little bit frustrated because we couldn't show everybody what how we've been playing and what we've been doing recently. So, but you know, from my experience in games like this, this usually happens. So, but overly, overly, really proud of the boys and what they've achieved so far this season, and long may it continue. We've got a good, good long running now, haven't we. Yeah, you mentioned about that word consistency. You know, you've been on that run since November. Can you pinpoint what got you into that run? Just basically togetherness, hard work, you know, everyone pulling in the same direction. You know, I said it before and I'll say it again. We had a little bit of a blip during the course of the season where we had key players out and key players are now fit back. And that's made a big difference. And I think, you know, if you... If it's not broken, don't try and fix it. So mm. consistency for me is if the team's doing well, don't change it. So, and the team has been doing well, and everyone's everyone's doing their job and, and they're working hard. I suppose, that's the most important thing. I suppose the next thing you know after the disappointment of Saturday when you're losing that run is try and get run on another run now, isn't it? On the weekend Absolutely. with the back-to-back home NBA, games. We got we got to get on a run, and we got to do the best that we possibly can. Get the people back to the gallery and and, and, and kick on again. But you know. We're more than capable. We just got to get to work and put it to put it to practice. You look at the league table at the moment. Do you think that the top probably the top seven spots are already done, or do you think the other sides can come into it in well, the play? You know, you, you can never say never. There's going to be twists and turns. I still think you know what we need to do. We need to concentrate on ourselves. We just need to be consistent in what we're doing, and uh, you know, push on from there. It is a, and I've said this several times, probably the most competitive league I've been involved in in 10 years. Mm. And I've been around a little while now and I'm only 50-odd. So, uh, good, good, good standard, you know. The filtering process has obviously affected the Conference South. You know, the influx of foreign players has pushed players down and we've got a hell of a standard at this level now. Do you think your experience of Winning leagues with John Steele when you were at Luton. Do you think that can play a part? You know, Dorking have gone well, yeah, through the leagues. I, I, I won a league when I wasn't with Luton as well. I won the league at Grey. So, yeah. you know, and I've won it as a player. I've won the conference as a player twice. I've been blessed to play at Wembley twice. So I know what it takes to win. You know, you've got to have a, a, a sort of a, a sort of consistent approach to everything that you do now. You can't waver. Sometimes you don't have to play the best, but if the principles are applied you'll have a chance. And that's what we're going to try and do. Is, is, is it all about three points now rather than the performances at this time of the sometimes season? Sometimes it is, yeah, yeah. You'd rather have the sometimes you take the points, but, you know, if the performance isn't there and you lose the game, then you're going to look at the performance and see the reason why you never won the game. Huh. But, 
as long as we're consistent in what we do, we'll be okay. Yeah. So you got back to back. I'm sure, we will. You got back to back home games. I think five out of your next seven are all at home, and that place has been a fortress for you. And the fans have really been great over this season, haven't they? They have. But with that comes an upturn. If you don't produce at the Gallagher, <laughs> they'll let you know. So the players have to, and that's the other thing that I've said to the players: that, you know, don't be, don't, don't, don't get affected by the crowd. Do your jobs. Do your jobs, and they'll get behind you and support you 100. percent Like they have been all season. It's, 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 it's interesting what you say about that. And they're they're good fans, but again, they want to win, don't they? And, and they want to see the effort no, from the players. With every job comes there's comes negatives, and there comes positives. The, the negative here is that if you have got a, a decent team that's not doing half half as well as what they should be, they'll let you know because we are well supported. We haven't got one man in this dog. You know, they turn up in their thousands. And slowly over the course of the season, the fans have come back, and they will come back if we keep doing it. You know, but if you if you're not consistent in getting results, and you're consistent in not getting results, I'm sure they'll let you know. And they did that when we had a little bit of a blip. You personally, that's normal. That's normal. That's normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's the nature of the beast. Yourself, are you enjoying it? Football, you know, right end of the yeah. table. Yeah. Um, you're you're you're, you're a character that enjoys football, don't you? So, are you enjoying this at the moment? <laughs> I'm always enjoying it, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it working for a good club. I'm enjoying it working with a great bunch of lads. And I'm enjoying it with the support that we've got. And we're all blessed to be in the melting pot together to try and get an end result. There'll be plenty of twists and turns for the end of the season. Um, sure, if, sure. if I offered you now, you know, second place, would you take it? Or you think you'd still go on and win this division? We could still go and win it. Mm. Twist and turn. Still going with it. And if I'm gonna, if I'm not gonna finish first, then I want to finish second. Yeah. Yeah. And then the That's the message. We're out there to go and win it. Well, it was worth the wait that one, Matt. And he's certainly not giving up on their hopes of winning the league, is he? And listening to that, I don't blame him. No, he's a long way to go uh, from that. First of all, um, I asked. We'll talk. Oliver Ash, friend of the show. I asked him because he came over watched the game, and I said, "What did you think of the game?" And he said this, and I said, oh, am I allowed to quote this? And um, he he basically said, oh, we'll go and talk about the game. He said, he felt, there's no bitterness or sour grapes. He really gets on with the people from talking. He just found it a little bit underwhelming. The atmosphere he felt was muted because over a thousand spread over, their fans are spread out quite thinly. So, and he was a dull tight game. And maybe we all overhyped it a little bit. So that was his feeling from it. Um how can you overhype first against second? I mean, you can't. It was the big game. And yeah, it may not have been as enthralling a fixture as it can be, but you can't overhype that. It was the best two teams, two form teams in the league. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it's a little bit still early to um, think about it. Uh, there's still a long way to go within this division. But I think um, always things, you build these up, big these things up, but maybe it's not as exciting as it should be. So... They were a little bit disappointed, but as I say, Maystone will go again to see what they can do. Yeah, he said, as he said there, the Hakan Aretin, the result doesn't define the rest of the season and it's certainly not over. And they've been on such a great run, Maidstone. And I suppose the challenge now is how you bounce back from that defeat, go on another long win, and and if and when Dorking Wanderers slip up, be ready to overtake them. Yeah, I think the consensus would be in people are that Dorking are the favourites and they've got they just got a role as a club, aren't they? They're on and off the pitch. And they're, you know, arguably some would have said last couple of seasons they could have got promoted. So they're in pole position. 
they've still got a game in hand, Mark, uh, Maidstone. So if they do win that, they're only three points behind. So they probably will slip up at some point and they've got to react with it. As I mentioned, five out of the next seven games are at Gallagher Stadium. And he mentioned that does bring pressure, but it gives them, you, you'd expect them to beat Hungerford. I think they've got Braintree, is it? Or Billericay, I think, on Tuesday as well. That You think they've got a good chance to do that. Uh, interesting that you said there as well that he, he thinks it's the most competitive league in 10 years. I, I think I would agree with that. I mean, I've been in and around the sort of National League South for, for nine years myself now, and there's never really been that many exceptional teams as there currently are. And, and I think I thought you made some really good points about how it has got tougher because the players have filtered down, yeah. but because there's not the opportunities for them higher up. And and the National League South is certainly certainly feeling that. And and I said before, and, I, and I'll say it again, I, I'm convinced that National League South is a much stronger league than a National League North because of the locations and the players that are able to come and play in this league. I, I, and I think he's absolutely right when he says this is a really, really tough division at the moment. Well, I think, I know Maystone is sort of semi-full part for full-time. There's a lot of full-time clubs in there um, who who have spent quite big to try and get out of it. And the gates, you know, Dorking get good gates, Dulwich good, good gates. Um, clubs feel that it's a chance for them to do well in getting into the National League, which is the, the holy grail, so to speak, isn't it? But it's a really tough division, and I'm sure Dover will find out when they're back in it next season how tough it will be. You look at it at the top of that table, it's probably only really the, the tides you expect up there. The only one missing out is probably having a Waterlooville. You never know, they could go on a run and try and get into it. Their just form's pretty poor at the moment. But yeah, really, really good division. Um, it's going to be tough for, I think, our size to catch Dorking because Dorking are on that on that role but you know you know you never you never think never say never as Hakan Retin will do and I'm sure there'll be twists and turns yeah a very honest man Hakan Retin and I did like the fact when when you said to him you know obviously getting get lots of fans in he went well yeah but it's a double-edged sword because right. if it, you know the, the pressure does ramp up because the more people you got in there the more people want, are, are there to see Maidstone United win and, and that is it's something that they've got to deal with and and you know they are one of the best supported teams in the division, so therefore they they've got to they've got to cope with that, haven't they? And, and they are used to that sort of pressure. Yeah, I, I, I think Maystone fan, you know, apart from that one season in the National League when it went really rough, you've been built on a success. Gallagher's been a fortress, and you're expecting results. And the the hub and bub of the club at the moment sort of stands up that, that you know they're going to be successful. So you've got to take that pressure on board, and maybe. The feeling I got as well, maybe some of the players on Saturday, it was a big game, didn't play to their full potential. But and I'm sure if they didn't play to their full potential, as he said on there, that um, the uh, Maystone fans, you know, they want to show them compete. As long as they compete and try their best, the Maystone fans will be happy. And if they do that through the rest of the season, they're going to be successful. Yes, elsewhere in that division, Ebbsfleet continued their playoff push with a 2-0 win over Eastbourne Borough. With Dartford not playing, there were a lot of Kentish eyes on the bottom of the table. A great news for Tunbridge Angels, who put daylight between them and the bottom slot with a 2-0 win over Billericay. But for Welling, there was disappointment, losing to a last-minute strike against Hemel Hempstead. And they are now the team in the sights of Billericay. They're six points in front, with the Essex boys having played a game fewer. Now, I'm sure Welling won't necessarily say that it's a must-win for them at New Lodge uh, on Saturday. But Billericay will be thinking, if we win that game, it's in our hands all of a sudden. So... Not necessarily a must-win, but perhaps a can't afford to lose for Welling at Billericay on Saturday? Yeah. I, I say, when I saw them against Dart, but I thought Welling had plenty to get out of it. But they're in that run, as Peter Taylor said, conceding poor goals. And you've conceded 
You know, you're averaging over two goals a game conceded. You're always going to put yourself under pressure. Um, yeah, Billericke under former uh, uh, Welling boss Jody um, Jody Brown, who was just a bit of a you know a marmite sort of guy, and uh, he didn't really work out Welling. But yeah, big game for big game for Welling, a big game for Peter Taylor. Really, you would have thought if he's under pressure because Welling do not want to be in the uh, uh, Isthmian League next season. But at the moment, they really need to um, pick up results. Interesting, Bath are in 19th. And I thought Bath were quite good against Dartford. No end product, but it's played some lovely football. So, um, yeah, interesting times ahead. So, um, next season there. A good big result for Tunbridge, though. That was um, in front of a good crowd as well. Tunbridge are really a, another club. You know, league what position-wise, they're not doing well. But off the field, with good gates as well. They're a club going some places as well, I think. Yeah, interestingly, Billericke against Welling uh, took me back when I saw that that was the fixture this weekend uh, to 2013. I was uh, not long been uh, working at the uh, Brentwood Gazette and I went over to cover that game. Uh, Welling won that one two goals to one at Billericke that day. Uh, Welling were on their way to promotion. They won the league. Billericke were relegated. Uh, and until the last couple of years, those two sides hadn't played at all until uh, they met again in the National League South and Billericke got promoted. So it does just go to show that it's, it, it, it's a fixture that it's a big game on Saturday, that one. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out. And as you say, if Welling do lose that game, then it's going to be interesting to see what happens there because I, I know that we've heard that they're a young and inexperienced side. And, and while that's laudable, young and experienced sides and relegation battles aren't necessarily a, a match made in heaven, are they? No, but they've got Peter Taylor, who is a, a decent manager, knows this, um, knows how to win football matches. So he could be the difference between them staying up and going down and um, working hard on that squad. They've got a young squad and he's probably, his hands are tied about bringing players in, I expect. But, um, if he get anybody can get out of it, he can. He can do, and I think um, all Welling United fans are concerned about is make sure he's staying in this league by hook or by crook. But you'll be distraught if if you think about it. If there's only one going down in this division, and you're the team going into it, you've got nobody else to blame but from yourself, really, have you? No, it's just one win in nine for Welling, which is the concern yeah. uh, for them. Elsewhere this weekend, Tom and Angels travel to Oxford City. Ebbsfleet go to Bath, as Matt just said. Level on points with Angels near the foot of the table. Maidstone, who faced Braintree on Tuesday, back at home on Saturday, as Hacken said, when they host Hungerford. And oh yeah, there's the very small matter of Dartford against Dorking. Uh, that could be a pivotal game for both the Darts and the Stones, Matt. Yes, um, I did that game last season. I think Dorking won 2-0 at... Uh, and Dorking looked pretty good then, yeah. For looking at the league table, so I just bring it up. Yeah, you would have thought again if Dorking win that, there'll be 13 points clear of Dartford. And again, Dartford have a game in hand, but that could be too much. So it's probably a must-win for Dartford if they want to get in, win the title. But as Steve King, when I when I've spoken to him, all he seemed to be concerned about was getting into the playoffs, and that's their main aim. Yes, exactly. Massive, massive game though that one. I look forward to seeing how that's. Uh, played out. Quick glance at the National League then where, as feared, Bromley dropped out of the playoff places that they didn't play. But in truth, it could have gone worse for them as Notts County's defeat on Tuesday means they're just a point in front of Andy Woodman's side who now have a game in hand with Solihull also in reach uh, for Bromley. Dover beaten again at home by Grimsby this time. And Matt, I've got some bad news for you. You now mathematically cannot finish in the top half this season. Uh, while I give him a few have seconds... Have you worked out when we're going to get relegated? Uh... No, I, do you know what? I was looking at it a minute ago and I think your 19th of, of March might be a little bit uh, 
a, a little bit negative, actually. I think you might you might hang on a couple more weeks. With 35, we've got 35, 14, so 42. So if we lose on Saturday, that'll be, could be 38. Well, it could be. No, if we lose, not that I'm hoping that we lose. If we lose and say Aldershot win, I think Aldershot are playing something decent. Well, it, well yeah, uh, no, we would be 30 for 38 with... But the problem is, Matt, is how many teams there are between because you could still realistically, <laughs> realistically, you could still catch Eastley in 14th mathematically. So the chances of all of those teams up yeah, there yeah, winning. Yeah. So you don't are, think it'll be then? I don't I'll think. Put, I, the night, well, if you lose the next three, probably could be a good chance. Well, I mean, they're, they're trying their hardest for you, mate, to get relegated yeah, exactly, in March. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, well, I, I, we could be at Wrexham when Wrexham. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, yeah we, it could be. It's, it's coming. So there you go. Yes. Disappointed. Got to take your chances at the weekend. Yada, yada, yada. Bought it away on Saturday uh, for, for the Whites, uh, while the Lily Whites of Bromley head to Torquay. Uh, no games for our sides on Tuesday in the league, but I'm sure a few Bromley glances will be cast at Solihull, where the Moors meet Notts County. Uh, let's move on to the Southern Counties East League. And as promised at the top of the show, we're going to hear from both Irith clubs. Let's start with Town, who this week handed their manager Adam Woodward, who's already the longest serving manager in the club's history, a new three-year contract, which will take him to eight years at the helm. I spoke to Irith Town chairman Mark Devaney about everything at the club, starting with that new deal for the manager. Everybody knows we're a small club. However, we've got to start looking after our assets in terms of our young players, current players, and also the manager. Now, for me, Adam has been with us five years since 2017, put as much work into our club as probably anybody at any other club. You know, 24-7, constantly committed to the club, to the course, but also very talented, you know, bringing through youngsters, looking after the old ones. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, working very, very hard, which nobody sees. Being chairman, I have a very close relationship with him. And, you know, I like to reward loyalty. He's very loyal to the club. And, you know, and that, that goes all the way through the club. Everybody at the club has given so much time and effort. And, you know, slowly but surely, our plan from the start is coming to fruition. It's a bit unusual for a club at, at this level to, to hand out a three-year contract. But I guess that is testament to the work that Adam's done. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's interesting seeing other clubs struggling with management, you know, and but they're coming at it from a different angle, whereas ours has always been a five-year project from 2017. Unfortunately, COVID sort of kicked that to the sidelines. So what we did, rather than chasing a rainbow that's not really there, we decided to go the youth route. Now, this season, uh, everybody knows that we've got a, a big crop of youngsters, but I don't think they realise how big. I've just checked today. We've had 11 players under 18 of a start or being the first team squad, you know this, and this isn't just a fluke. This is a lot of hard work, of which again I don't think people realise. You know, from two years ago when we started in, at the FA Youth Cup, for instance, we beat Seven Oaks and Hastings, and then the following like this season, for instance, we then have beaten Chatham, Glebe, uh, Maidstone United, um, and then we beat Boreham Wood away. So this is not a fluke, and. Normally with clubs, it's a drip down. So the first team does well and the rest drips down. But we've decided to go the other route. So start from the bottom and work our way up. And we're at that point where we've got a tipping point now with the first team. So I decided to really reward Adam's uh, loyalty. Not just loyalty, his talent. Because everybody within our league knows what Woody's like. 
but what they don't realise is the hard work and his dedication, but also talent. You don't get, you don't get a club like Irish Town sixth in the league. You no, know, sixth doesn't sound great in the, the general scheme of things, but that was in the last full season we had. And in reality, this season would have been the one we was going to try to get promotion. But because of COVID, we then used that to, as I say, develop the youngsters. It's interesting because a lot of people will look at clubs in, in your area, certainly uh, in your step and the step above and say, you know, player recruitment can be hard because of where you are. But obviously by going down the youth route and getting these lads in young, you're getting a real affinity towards Town. Yeah, 100%. I mean, even going right away, everybody, let's be frank, everybody talks about their club as though it's a special club and, you know, deep-rooted and et cetera, et cetera, with talent coming through. But we generally mean it. I mean, I went to look at Aaron the Levens. Uh, two weeks ago and we there's a there's a boy there that's absolutely fantastic and you know we want these kids to come right the way through and it's actually happening you know our FA Youth Cup side this year had a, a one of the lads is from our first years through the academy and and he's had a three-week trial at Brighton recently you know this is not a, I keep saying this is not a fluke this is hard work everybody everybody at the club understanding what our policy is and what our ambitions are and you know the tipping point is coming now with the first team and, you know, the future's bright going forward, you know. Within the community, we're very strong. You know, we've got two community schemes you do on a Saturday. We've girls to do that. One girls one and one boys one. You know, as I say, we've got now 12 uh, youth sides, which, you know, could get... If we had the facilities in North Bexley to bring more club teams in, we would because they're coming to us. And this is also reflecting the first team, where players are now coming towards us because they know we treat them well, very well, and we treat them with respect. And, you know, that's everybody knows that now. You know, they're under 23s last week, beat Corinthian 8-0. Again, these, this, this is not a fluke. This is hard work over five years. I've never come on to a show like yourself and promoted the club because I didn't really want to until we won something. You know, I want, the, I want this football to do the talking. You know, the last thing, the last thing honestly, I'm, I like to do is promote myself or the club. It's about the club. You know, it's not about me as chairman, it's about everybody. And that's the interesting part of our club. If you look at the programme from 2017 to the one now, I would say 95% of the people that started with us are still here because we treat them very well. And we have fun as well. You've got to enjoy it. And I love, and you can imagine what I'm like. I love it. I love my football. But also love the club as well. As chairman, going back a few months, how proud were you when more than 400 people are packed in to watch your under-18s yeah. against Portsmouth? Yeah, massively. And again, people don't realise that. You know, literally, I've never told that story. And I'll be really quick, but, you know, the season I took over, I went to Irish Town. I was at Welling United, just involved on a general basis, not a director, just on a general basis. And uh, I decided I, I could do... Being polite, I could do a good job because I've seen the way other people run clubs, and I thought I could bring my skills and what I do in my work, bring it into into a small club and see what, we can get a genesis of the club and see if we can move on. So I literally, because uh, the previous regime decided um, that they'd really had enough, they'd run their course. They've been doing it for a long time. So I literally started in May 2017 with quite literally nothing, nothing, no ground. Uh, no, no, nothing. No balls, no kit. I could go. So I literally had to put structure in, which I did in six weeks. Um, then interviewed Adam for the job. Um, jumped him straight away because he was by far the best candidate and the most ambitious as well. Um, and he's just gone bang, 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 completely through. You know, everybody look at Irish Town within 
our structure, as I said earlier, you know, they respect what we do now. And that goes out outside of the football club into the community as well. You know, we're a genuine community club, you know, and but we want to be a successful one. It's not, you know, I don't, we don't play football not to be successful, you know. Of course, everybody measures things by by different measures of success, I suppose. And I suppose success is doing well with the first team, but also bringing the whole club together. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, look, it's very, very difficult, and I've seen this previously with my sons when they've played sport at uh, youth level, is that to get a one-club-club club scenario where you bring a youth section towards the first team is very difficult. And in the main, because the first team is run by committees and chairmen that don't really want... They say they want a one club, but they don't really, because this is very, very, very hard work. You know, trust me, very hard work. And um, it's something I wanted to do. That's the way we're going to do it. That's the way we'll be successful. As I say, even the teams <laughs> below us, in terms of youth sections and 23s, they want to win their leagues now. Now, when I took on Irish Town, we, there was a different mentality because we had to be like that to get the club underway. However, it's evolved now. And as I say, if COVID wasn't around, I'd be talking to you possibly about winning a trophy. You know, but then the next season, we'd be talking about going for promotion because that's what we want to do. And a lot of people talk about it. Um, they're doing it in different manners. But I think having a firm structure underneath, a genuine pathway, you know, see clubs again talking about pathway, but there's no genuine pathway because they'll get to 18s and maybe 23s, but then there's a glass ceiling there. Well, there's no glass ceiling at our club. You know, as I say, we've got kids of 16 starting. Our best our best player's been probably a 17-year-old at centre-half. You know, and again, it's about giving people opportunity, but done in the correct manner. And you also play a big part in the community. You've done the food bank thing the last couple of yeah. years. And I understand as well, you'd like to get your own ground at some point too. Yeah, that's the ultimate ambition. I don't even think, to be fair, it's necessarily an ambition just for our football club, but the actual area of North Bexley needs facilities. You know, like every council in London, all they're looking to do is build more flats, more flats, more flats, and then forgetting to bring in any leisure facilities for anybody. You know, within the Eurif area, there's a, a, over the next five years, there's 30,000 people of new, new people moving into the area. So instantly I've got a, catchment, uh, a bigger catchment area of possible supporters or kids that want to play football. So you say, that's great, but where do you play? You know, where do you play? So that's something I've been working on for the past, say, 18 months. I've got plans, genuine plans drawn up. Um, it's just a case of pressing the button with the right people. But I'll be, I've been shaking the tree, so you never know. And just finally, you, obviously you're ambitious, you say Adam's ambitious. Does those ambitions include a, a proper go at promotion in the next three years while he's on this contract? Yeah, I'd say the next two, if I'm honest. Um, but it's not just a case of throwing money at it. It's bringing the right kind of player that suits the club suits the way we want to play, understands our ethos. Um, you know, you look at the current players, but, um, you know, even someone like Michael Power, you know, that's a, a you know a, a well-known name within the non-league circles, but a really good player, talented even at his age now, and scoring great goals now. Now, people say, well, how have you attracted him? Well, it's because we, pe we treat people well. It's not just a case of throwing money at players. It's actually giving them some respect and, you know, treat them like human beings. And if they have a problem in their personal life, as an example, or work life, can we help them out? Because a lot of people off the pitch forget about that. You know, players make a lot of commitment to play for your football club. You know, training two times a week. And then the Saturday, it's three days for two evenings and a whole Saturday out of their lives. 
let's be frank, playing for not a lot of money here of town. But if you do things well off the pitch for them, you know, it, it does reap rewards and that's what we found. As always, Matt, we talk about these clubs on this show every single week, but we frequently don't delve too deep into the background. And that was a fascinating conversation, wasn't it? Interesting. I've been to Aerith and Dover played them. It's like a, a sports centre um, theme from there. But Adam Woodward, you know, they got him from Glebe, didn't they? I think it is. And, and when you said to him, they're giving him a three-year contract. But blimey. But after you listen to him, what he said there, um, from what he wanted and what they can achieve, clearly they're building. And the key thing is, is the youth system for what he said on there as well. And that's absolutely crucial for them that the results that they can get to. I think the thing for me is, is you know, when we talk to these clubs, I like to hear about the ones who are building from the bottom up. And it was interesting, Mark saying there, he had a five-year plan. And obviously, COVID has had a little bit of a knock on it. But if you look at what they're doing and, and bringing in these young players and, and giving them the opportunity, and I said to him both kind of on the record and off the record, there's so much competition for players uh, up there in that sort of area. There's so many clubs floating around. To be the one that all the young kids want to go and play for is, is a massive, massive thing. And they are reaping the benefits of that. And that that game against Portsmouth in the FA Youth Cup was it was a massive, massive fillet for them. And that kind of put Irith Town on the map a little bit. And, and it's great to see that it's really playing fruition for them. Yeah, I think it probably shows there's a lot of decent players out there. The location probably helps. They can attract players from a little bit of there. And, and, and if you know that there is a pathway from the youth team maybe into the first team. He said about his best player being 17, didn't he, earlier? So clearly there's a pathway there that rather than, if you're a player that's, you know, probably an academy, I don't know, a Brentford, for example, would you be getting more experience by playing for Erith in the academy there? At least you're playing for proper football against proper so-called experienced pros. It could be a different way of thinking, but absolutely delighted for, for what they're going to be doing. Clearly they're a side to look out for next season when maybe the two big boys go but next season will be an absolute clash of everybody desperate to go up but a lot of clubs are in healthy positions and I think you know they're just going to make bide their time and make the most of it when it comes I enjoyed as well the 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 where you said you know we're not just about them but as as players we're about them as people as well and we're always interested in, and you know in, in this current time that is obviously a bit a big thing but he was very open about that. And, and you know, we, we were very lucky to get that conversation, really, because he did say, I've never really said about our story. I, I don't really talk that much about it. So thanks very much to Mark for that. But as, as I said earlier, what an insight that is. And the, the club is doing fantastically well, given, you know, their their resources, the, the crowds that they get, where they are. Because it's not, even though, you know, where their stadium is, is right next to the water, isn't it? So, you know, again, it's a little bit like Dover. Part of your catchment area is water and that does make things difficult. So, you know, they're doing really, really well. And the ambitions that they've got there are strong. And I like the fact, you know, they've got experienced players in the team. They've got young players in the team and they're merging them all really well together. And you've got young lads as well who are coming in and they're getting looked at by football league clubs, Premier League clubs. And I just think it's it's a, it's a brilliant model. And, and I love to hear clubs that are doing that and doing everything the right way. And, and fair play to Mark, fair play to Adam, and fair play to everyone at Irith Town. Yeah, I think the model is a key, is a model that a lot of clubs should be looking to do. Maybe you're not, you know, me immediate success. But if you build up the foundations, as you say, from top to bottom, you may reap the rewards. It might take us a bit of time, but you can see the passion that he had uh, and where they're going. Clearly, if it works in their fruition, 
And if they get one of those players going into the Football League, it's absolutely all worth it. And, you know, treat the whole human beings, as he said, best they can. They've got a chance. And it's all about the community as well, isn't it? And I like that when he said, you know, more and more people are moving in here uh, and uh, into this area. They're building a lot of houses and therefore we want to make sure that we've got people coming in um, and, and that we're an, an attractive place for, for people to go and, and almost a sanctuary from, from everyday life. And, and if you move to an area like that and you've got a, a football club just around the corner, you, you've got the opportunity, haven't you? I think a lot of places in Kent, there's a lot of houses going up all over the place. So you've got to make sure that, that you know people are there they want to be entertained. Clearly, if you've got a, a good infrastructure at a club, you're gonna have you have a good opportunity to do that to attract people. Again, people hard-earned money, hard they just want to be entertained and looked after. And clearly, Eric do both of those things at the moment. Yes, yeah, so in the town sixth in the Scaffold Premier Division, and one place higher and just around the corner are Earth and Belvedere. After a really good start to the season, they dipped a little, but seem to have found their form again. Early in the season, we spoke to joint manager Marlon Patterson, and now we've completed the set, as we're about to hear from the other joint boss, Danny Murphy. I spoke to him on Tuesday and started asking him about their 4-3 win at bottom of the table, Lordswood, on Saturday. You know what, it was a weird game. Like, obviously, look, you can you can put all things out there and go, oh, the pitch was poor and this was poor and stuff like that. Like, but the thing is, both teams got to play on it. Um, we leave them to very few chances. Defensively, I think our transitions from attacking to defending wasn't great, and that caused us that caused us problems, and that's why they scored their goals. Um, but between, like for me, like we're both, we were very dominant in terms of we played some really good football on a not very good pitch. Um, scored some decent goals, but as I said, like you know, our transitions from being so open and expansive that we've got to recover better in back into the shape and position when we when we lose possession of the ball and not be so open you mentioned the pitch there and, and you say it's the same for both teams this time of year it, it's hard isn't it it's, it's special, uh, especially at this level of football yeah and I do think like, and I, and I, maybe I'm being a bit like I mean look let's be honest Williams pitch isn't the best either at the moment um, but there should, should be some sort of grading for the pitches um, in terms of this league like we played at Kent Football United the other week and that was a disgrace as well I mean the, the pitches are like, you know, I get that there's bad weather and stuff like that, but I think there could be more care and attention paid to them. Uh, you know, like, and then, listen, I'd even say it for a home pitch, it isn't great. It needs work and it needs to be more care and attention paid to it. But, yeah, I do think there's got to be some sort of level of grading for pitches. Like, you can't be turned up. And it, it's like some of them are like playing on park pitches, which is not good for anyone, and especially if you want to make... Uh, we want fans to come down and watch games, and you, teams want to be able to generate revenue and generate crowds. Like, if there's no, if there's not a good playing service, you're not going to see good football. So then people are not going to come back in. I suppose it's particularly difficult for you, obviously, with, with the fact that you're in a ground share and, and your pitch gets used twice as much as many others. Yeah, and I, and I know that we have like more than it's not just uh, FLD and Wellington Town. There's probably the scholars. I think they've got a scholarship plan it, the women's plan it, the deaf team. And then whoever else say probably allowed to play on it during the week, and it's probably some weeks, probably three to four games on it, and it's not ideal. But I think the level of league that both clubs are in, that you need that that revenue from a football pitch. And, it, and I suppose that's almost the argument for three Gs, which I know a lot of teams have got. Are you a fan of them? Yeah, I think from in terms of a revenue for a club, I think it's a no-brainer. I think that. It's, it just shows this year when you look at Chatham and Sheppey in terms of 
you know, the budgets they've got and what they're able to do and Ramsgate and places like that, you know, it's not everyone likes playing on a 3G, but, you know, when you play on a good 3G and the pitch is nice, you see a good quality of football and you look at the crowds that four of them clubs have got. You know, they're, they're decent crowds every week because there's a high level of football and the clubs are near the top end of the league. The quality of players they're able to sign is is very good. Generally speaking, it's, it's, it's been a decent season for Ruth and Belvedere, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we had a really good start to the season. We've had a bit of a sticky patch during the middle of it. Um, and uh, which, which we're making a few changes now at the moment and a little bit of a transition in terms of what we're doing as a club and as a team. Um, so, yeah, no, all in all, it was good. You know, good start to the season. You know, I've been happy about it's gone, but still would have liked to have been more competitive in the top end of the se- uh, top end of the league towards the end of the season. But we need to make sure we finish in the top five. And I think then looking back, and you can say, right, well, from based on where one viewed us going to finish this year, we've probably proved a lot of people wrong. But you know, been big learning curve for myself because you know, I've been away for the UK for a number of years now and probably don't really know enough about the league or enough players that I've had to be learning on the job and it's been really good for me. How, how have you found the quality of the scaffold? It's, it's a decent league, isn't it? Yeah, it's a decent league with some very good players. I think, um, you know, there's, you know, some really good teams. It's some really good, nice stadiums to play at. Some really like, you know, character building stadiums and, you know, it's been, it's been really good. It's been, you know, I've learned a lot in terms of players and you know, who I'd bring in, what I would do differently and, I think it's been a massive learning curve for me as a coach and as a manager. That there's a lot of things I would probably do differently, and a lot of mistakes I've made this year that I'd probably would make sure I don't make again. We're speaking on the first of March. You're fifth in the table. When do you sort of look at it and start thinking? Well, now's the time to start looking at trying more players for next season and looking ahead to next year. We started that probably beginning of uh, start of February. You know, we could see that we're not. I think anyone who's be unrealistic to think we can go on and really have a push now um, for us we're looking at going do you know what we want to finish in a, as high up the table as we possibly can but we need to look at players for next year and we need to start building what we want to do because you know, for me next year like, I want to be competing for the top one or two spots don't want to be fifth or fourth like, I want to go up I want to get the team out of this division and I'm an ambitious person and that's my ambition as a coach and manager and the people I've got around me with the likes of Luke Rooney, Marlon and the people on the board, we're all looking in in the same direction or want to try and push for promotion next year and it's not, you know, let's we're trying to look at some lads for ne- next season, trying to identify our style of play now so that coming into next season it's a lot easier to transition into that. And of course the club has, in the last 10 years has been at the step above so you know it's a realistic ambition to get back up there, don't you? Yeah, it's a very, very realistic ambition to get up there. And I think that we all want to go that way as a group, um, from the staff to the board, everyone in and around the club and the players who we've spoken to in recent weeks is, you know, that's, that's the aim. Like we need, as a club, we need to be up there and that's where we want to be. So we've got to, you know, keep pushing and keep trying to get to that level. It's not an easy league to get out of. Um, you look at, you know, some of the team teamed at the top of this league, they've thrown a lot of money over the last four or five years and struggled with it. Um, you know, and I'm, we're not going to do that. We're not going to throw um, silly money at it. We're going to build a team of players who were at the same common goal, and that's trying to get promotion. And, you know, understanding that, you know, we're, we're going to do that as a group and a very small squad and try and 
the aim is to try and build a squad of people who believe in that and want to go all go in the same direction as the staff and the club. I know managers don't like to single out players and stuff, but you mentioned him there, Luke Rooney. It, a massive asset to have a player of, of his experience and, and quality in your squad. Yeah, obviously I've known Luke since we were kids and parents are close friends and, you know, um, he was one I wanted from day one when I come in and always knew it would be a tough tool, really asked to try and get him in. Um, you know, but you know, Luke's, Luke's got more than just qualities on the football pitches. Um very experienced in the league, knows a lot of people in, in the league, knows a lot of players, knows a lot of managers, coaches, and he's been a massive asset to me in terms of I've never hit it from day one when I come in. Like my recruitment was always going to be a problem because I don't know enough people within the league and it's going to take me two or three years to get to know people that needed to bring people in and around me who they were their strengths. And I knew what my strengths were in terms of as a coach and organisation. But I knew what my weaknesses was also that in terms of recruitment and players and knowing people within the league, I didn't have that. And Luke was like, I made a beeline for Luke from day one and really wanted to get him in. And I think that having Luke in has not only attracted a better quality of player, but a better quality of person in terms of who wants to come here and understanding what we're trying to do. And just finally, this you played the team at the bottom last weekend. You got one of the ones at the top this weekend. A game against Sheffield United will be tough, but I, I guess it's a good opportunity for you to show what you're all about and, and set down a marker for the future. Yeah, it is, and it's a it, the the teams at the bottom of the league are the hard games to get up for. The teams at the top of the league are the easy ones. Um, and we got listen, we, we played Sheffield. Just before, I think just before Christmas after, and and to be honest, they they destroyed us. They were the best team we played in terms of we didn't play well on the day, but you know they played they played really well, and you know they dominated us in all aspects of the game. And we we need to go into the game and have learned from that. We need to go into the game knowing that you know, we've got to prove a point that you know if we want to compete next year and players want to be here, then they need to show that they compete at the top end of the table against the best teams. So for me, yeah, that's a big thing with going into the game on Saturday that we compete. We show that we're good enough to compete at that level and you know, and we we hold our own against them and then we can say, look, do you know what? We're moving in the right direction and I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from this season and the games against them in the past and we have to go into the game the weekend with a different outlook on it. Uh, another really good chat, that one. We're, we're not bad at this podcast, Malarkey, some weeks, are we? And, and everything Belvedere, Matt, another club that seems to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, again, um, clearly that people looking to grow over been a difficult season. I suppose if you think about it, the last couple of years for these clubs have been really, really difficult with no football and COVID hitting. And some of the clubs could have just thought, oh, you know, we'll let it go and we'll in. But they've come back stronger and willing to do so much better for themselves and the community. And another club that were just biding their time again Probably they knew this season would be tough to try and get successful, even though, as he said, sixth in this division, you're, you're a good side. But it's been difficult to sort of break into the top two. But over the next few years, if they get it right, they could be OK for, to be successful. But yeah, playing at Welling United, interesting what he said about the pitches there, not being, um, you know, ground graded for pitches. I don't know really know how you could do that, but interesting time. Interesting to see where he come from. Luckily, they're based at Welling, um, which is normally a, a nice ground which you can attract players, and they're in a good location. Yeah, but it's interesting uh, what he said about the pitches. And, and 
it, it is difficult. I can kind of see both arguments with it because I can see that you you obviously want the pitches to be as good as they can be. You want to make sure that we can see the good football. But then you look at the big match revisited on ITV4 and you see proper mud bath pitches and, and you can get entertaining football there. But I suppose the frustration for, for a manager is you want to go out and you want to play football the right way. You want to make sure you're doing the very best you can and, and you can train and train and train. And then you turn up somewhere and the pitch is, is not up to standard, then it completely must throw your game plan. And, and you know, it, it is interesting. Should they be looking at it and saying, well, you know, if you want to be at this level, because I guess leagues in the FA get very, very caught up on standard of, of grounds and, oh, have you got a perimeter fence there? Oh, how many seats have you got? When really, actually, the playing surface should be a lot more important than if you've got 30 seats in your stadium at, at step five level, shouldn't it? Yeah, that probably, yeah. Again, depends who looks after the pitch, how important the pitches are. If, you know, all these clubs probably at this level would probably like a 3G surface, but the cost of doing that is probably, is far too much. And maybe the cost of having a full-time groundsman to do it as well. But again, it's same for both sides. And, I, and again, people want to bring the ball out and play out of the way, but sometimes maybe you have to change your tactics if you do go on a pitch that's a little bit sticky. Yeah, and um, he mentioned Luke Rooney in there. As I said to him, managers don't normally like to single people out, but he did mention Luke anyway. And I think having him at Irith and Belvedere is, is a real coup because he's a name. People will know him. He's from the local area. Uh, he's obviously had his football league career. was played in America as well. And and he still has got that passion, that fire from the sounds of it to, to, to really impress. We've seen him on the score sheet a lot. I know he took charge of a game the other week because Danny and Marlon were both unavailable. And, and I think having someone like that with his experience still showing that desire and passion is the big thing because you can get a name in. You can get someone... Who's, who's played at, at the highest level and, and bring them in and them not be in it for the for the right reasons or them, you know, not be the sort of influence you want them to be. But by the sounds of it, Luke has been the, the perfect, or well, perfect semi-professional, I suppose, is the way to say it. Yeah, I've, I've seen him with it. I think he's a bit of a football agent as well. I think he's got some things. So clearly he said he's, he knows a lot of people in the game. He was at Chatham earlier in the season, wasn't he? He sort of moved on and wants to, you know, having worked, well, having known the manager for a while, Work with him there, and he's still a good player because I don't know, he must be early 30s, is he? Probably not even that. Rooney, I probably think when he so. Let me have a look. So he went, he left Gillian, went to Swindon, didn't he? So I mean, he must have played 100 league games. And I thought Swindon didn't really work out for him, I didn't think, did it? So but he's had a decent um, thing, but now giving it something back clearly wants to get in do something in football as well, and perfect for them to sort of work at Erith and Belvedere. I reckon he must be about 31. No, not even that old, I don't think, Rooney. He was 31 in December, and by the looks of it, yeah, you're right, about 150 football league games, and then, you know, he's played a lot of non-league as well, so, you know, he's, he's had a he's had a good career, um, Luke Rooney, and he's probably, you know, there must be a, a fire in him to still keep going as well, and, and try and, you know, help Irith and Belvedere up a little bit, and, and, and keep, he must still enjoy, I suppose, he's still playing for the enjoyment of football, he's not playing for any other reason than he wants to play football. Yeah, yeah, again, give something back to the community that probably helped him get, have a decent career that he did. So, yeah, interesting to see how he gets on. He's a, Yeah, he should be probably playing at a different level, but giving something back to Eric and Belvedere. I'm sure he's an agent or something. I'm sure I've seen him sort of working with players as well. So something that maybe could benefit Eric as well is his business acumen at, at that level as well. And obviously, uh, he did say we started planning for next season at the start of February, but 
a big test for them this weekend against Sheppey United because you know this could effectively be a farewell tour for Sheppey United as they're playing in Belvedere this weekend uh, and trying to push their way up a little bit but um you know it's it's, it's a good test for Belvedere to see where they are and and the more good results you get at the end of the season, the more people who you may be wanting to bring in over the summer will be thinking, actually, yeah, this is the club for me. Yeah, you've got to start how you want to, you know, end the season really well to give that momentum next season. I think you'll see they've got to play the Chatham as well. So they've got some big games um, sort of coming up. But yeah, Sheppard United, they know they play to their strengths. They probably give them a game as well. And, and again, you know how Sheppard, I think they've got to win every game to try and catch Chatham as well. It's a big game for both sides. Yes, let's look back at the rest of the results in the scaffold. On Tuesday night, Sheffield United's winning run came to an end as they were held to a 2-2 draw at Fisher, uh, while there was a 1-0 win for Punjab United over Tunbridge Wells. On Saturday, Chatham and Sheffield both won 2-0 against Hollands and Blair and Tunbridge Wells, respectively, while Glebe kept up the pressure with a 3-1 win at Rostall. In fact, on Saturday, all of the top eight won, with Deal Town beating Tailhamets 3-1. As we've already heard, Irith and Belvedere beat Lords with 4-3. Irritown were 4-0 winners over Canterbury City. Kennington won 2-1 at K-Sports and Beerstead beat Punjab United 4-2. The other games ended in a 1-1 draw for Holmesdale at Crowborough and a 1-0 defeat for Wellingtown at home to Fisher. Uh, this weekend it's a derby as Crowborough hosts Rostall. As we've already heard, Irith and Belvedere against Sheppard United. Uh, Lords would go to Fisher. Hollands and Blair at home to Irithtown. Holmesdale meet K-Sports. It's Kennington against Beerstead. Tower Hamlets against Wellington. Tunbridge Wells have their long-awaited homecoming when they host Deal Town and saved until last as the conversation point. It's third place Glebe at home to leaders Chatham. Another massive game at the start of this month, Matt. Yeah, this league, um, only two points in it at the top. Yeah, who's going to blink first? That's the thing now in these positions. I see Chatham went out of the Challenge Cup on last night. Um, so, you know, we saw Glebe, Charlie Penny banging in the goal still. Um, tough game for Chatham, but you know if they get a result of Glebe, that will give them a bit more confidence as well to how they go on. I, I can't, I can't choose to choose between them here, John. Really, as they haven't got each other to play, it's, it must be infuriating. Which, you, if you're that, a club are watching it, you're probably just checking the other team's results to see how they're getting on because you know how it will be at the end of this. Somebody could be five points clear, or Sheppard could be a clear point, point clear at the top. So. Yeah, I don't think they'll, they might, can't be playing many midweek games now, so it must be Tuesday, must be Saturday, Saturday, Saturday games, I thought. Yeah, a lot of them. But I suppose the other thing you've got to factor in as well, Matt, though, is if Glebe were to win on Saturday, that could throw it all back open again, especially as Sheppey dropped points on Tuesday. They've got another t- tricky game uh, th- this weekend. So Glebe will be hoping that, is, as Rocky said, if they win all of their games, that they're in with a shout. And, yeah. and that's all they can do, but they've got to set down a marker against Chatham, haven't they? Well, they've got it again. Glebe have only lost two games all season. So, um, as well, so we know what they've got. So, and they've won the last five in good form at the moment. Yeah, that is a that is a big game. Um, Sheppey been grinding out results, not being wouldn't have thought, you know, been you know when, when they won at um, deal with the first minute goal, wouldn't it? And just they haven't been battering teams, but they've been getting the results done. So, which maybe some part is a good way of winning. You may not be playing your best but you're winning picking up points. A couple of games in midweek, Glebe against Wellington on uh, on Tuesday, Punjab against Lordswood as well. And then on Wednesday, Canterbury host Irith and Belvedere and Holmesdale meet Tunbridge Wells. Uh, Beckenham still top of the combined counties Premier Division South after a 7-1 away win at Guildford City on Saturday. Uh, they've got 63 points from 25 games, a point ahead of Walton and Hersham who've played two games more. 
But Jersey Bulls are five points behind the Becks in third place, and they've only played 23. So there could still be some twists and turns there to come. Uh, a big week for Beckenham as well, as they travel to face fifth place Redhill on Saturday, before hosting fourth place Badshot Lee on Tuesday night. So that's a, a, a tricky week for them. If they win both of those two, they'll be in a pretty good position. How many games have Jersey Bulls got on them? Two. Two. Uh, so and I think I think Beckenham have still got to go to Jersey because that was called off, but I think they've got to go there at some point as well. Well, Beckenham, well, they've reached the top. They, I'm sure, again, we, we're thinking two up there or just one. From the points per game that I've seen, I think it'll be one and a playoff. So, yeah. uh, But it looks it looks as though the scaffold should be the top two going up automatically. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, the scaffolds, the top two don't lose, you know, win a lot of games, don't they? And maybe it's a little bit tighter in the Beckenham division. So, um, yeah, again, all you've got to do is, uh, as Hacken Aretin said, it doesn't really matter about the performances. It's all about the wins now. And I think that uh, should be the mantra for a lot of clubs. Yeah, and it's all about the points per game for those clubs as well. And, and, and I think it is looking good uh, for, for our teams. And it's also looking good uh, in the Eastman League South East, incidentally, for the team who finishes third bottom to avoid a playoff as well uh, and avoid the, the, the threat of relegation. So uh, good to see that. At the top of the scaffold first division, there was defeat for Stansfield, beaten 2-0 at home by Rochester United. Uh, so Sutton Athletic will be four points clear, albeit having played three more games after their 5-2 win over SC Thamesmead. Elsewhere, Brydon Ropes beat Chessington Hook 2-0. Faversham Strike Force overcame Meridian VP 2-1. Greenways lost 3-0 at Forest Hill Park. Larkfield and New Hyde beat Kent Football United 2-0. Lidtown went down 4-0 at home to Tooting Beck. Staples Monarchs lost 3-2 to Croydon. Stodland Town 3-1 winners at Westside. At Larkfield and New Hyde then won 4-2 at SC Thamesmead on Monday. And as we talk, Snodland are facing Rochester uh, at this exact moment in time. It looks like the score is, as I hit refresh, still 0-0 uh, in that one. Uh, in Scaffold Division 1 this weekend. Croydon against Sutton Athletic. Kent Football United against FC Armstead. Lewisham Borough against Larkfield and New Hive. Lidtown against Stansfeld. Rochester United against Westside. SC Thamesmead against Staples Monarchs. It's Snodden Town against Forest Hill Park. Tooting back against Faversham Strike Force. And then on Monday, Greenways host Lidtown. On Tuesday, uh, Chessington and Hook take on Westside. That's a Surrey derby as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Tooting back against Meridian VP. And then on Wednesday, three games as well. FC Armstead against Brydon Ropes. Forest Hill Park against Stansfield and Rochester United against Larkfield and New Hythe. Folks in the victor up to third in the Eastman League Premier Division after their two wins this week, beating Bognor Regis 1-0 on Saturday and East Thurrock United 3-1 on Tuesday night. Uh, Margaret June 0-0 with Bishop Stortford and are seventh, but they are 10 points outside the playoff spots. While Cray Wanderers are down in 19th after a 2-2 draw at Horsham on Saturday. Uh, this weekend, Invicta head to Kingstonian. Margaret go to Brightlingsea and Cray host Chessunt. So plenty still going on there. Uh, that just leaves us with the Ismini South East. Uh, the big game there on Saturday finished Ashford 3, Cray Valley 1. Uh, so Ashford closing the gap on Cray Valley. Uh, but that mean, does, did mean that Hastings, who were 2 winners at Chichester, uh, are now nine points clear at the top uh, with oh, nine games left to play. So you would think it's going to be tricky for our sides from there. Elsewhere, Hythetown beaten 3-0 at Burgess Hill. It was Corinthian 1, Sevenoaks 1 in Harry Hudson's first game. He made nine changes uh, for that game, believe it or not, really? Harry Hudson. Yeah, so uh, plenty of new faces there uh, for, for them. And, and they were pegged back quite late on uh, by Corinthian. Uh, they, was, those players followed him from other clubs, is it? No, no, they're, they're just uh, obviously players that he does know. Um, but there are plenty of, of names in there that were not knocking around 
uh, the, the, the Kent scene before. So uh, we shall see if there's any more to come over the coming weeks. VC Athletic 3 0 winners at East Grinstead. It was Faversham 1, Lansing 0. Herm Bay beat Whitehawk 2 1. Uh, Ramsgate 3 1 winners at Phoenix Sports. Sittingbourne 3, Hayward Heath 0. And it was 3 Bridges 3, Whitstable 1 uh, in that division. So Whitstable and Phoenix Sports still uh, neck and neck at the bottom there with 22 points each. Seven Oaks have got 24. All three of those teams have played 29. And then it's Whitehawk 27, Lansing 28, East Grinstead 29. And I can't be the only person uh, involved in this show who wishes those three would swap places with the three below because then it would be a, a Sussex bottom three. Uh, but there you go. This weekend, Cray Valley at home to Three Bridges. Uh, Hastings against Corinthian. It's Hayward Heath against Faversham. Hythe Town host Ashford United. Uh, Ramsgate are at home to East Grinstead. Seven Oaks at home to Herne Bay. It's VCD against Sittingbourne. Phoenix Sports travel to Whitehawk and Whitstable are at home to Chichester. Uh, so plenty of action there, Matt. Anything standing out for you there? So it, it's tough at this time of season because you're really only looking at the very top and at the very bottom, aren't you? And, and, and there's teams in the middle there who are just like, let's get this over with, shall we? Yeah. The interesting Seven Oaks against Herne Bay. Herne Bay, it's a tough game for Seven Oaks. Will he get his, Harry get, you know, be with them maybe a couple of training sessions? get his views into the player, will he bring some more players in? Um, Whitstable against Chichester, Whitstable have got to start winning some football matches. At this. And a big derby, Hyde against Ashford. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's, Hyde have done quite well under James Rogers. You know, he's, it's a really difficult job when his first one in, but they've moved away from the relegation zone and position they're in, we don't know about their finances, etc. Um, just getting through to the end of the season and regrouping from there. So, yeah, some big games in there. You've got to think that Hastings are going to win the division. But I'm sure Corinthian will try to put some, uh, uh, you know, put a little bit of kibosh on that. But yeah, some big games in there. But Seven Oaks against Herne Bay. I'll be interested to see how that goes. Yes, loads and loads of good football uh, there in that division. There's one game on Tuesday night as well. East Grinstead uh, take on Ashford. It's annoying this one, Matt, actually, because there's loads of games I could go to on Saturday. But uh, I'm really busy here at the B&B and I've got other things on and, it's mine and Hayley's anniversary, so there's no chance of me getting out to a game on Saturday. But there's so many good games of football that I could have gone to. Uh, but I'm going to have to try and make up for it and go to one on Tuesday uh, as well. I'm, just, I'm sure there'll be plenty of big games before the end of the season, mate, as well, that you'll be thinking, oh, we've got to go there and we'll try and get out to some of them. Hopefully with, with some of our sides getting promoted and some of them moving away from it. But uh, good time to come. The weather's getting a little bit better as well, so hopefully the, uh, the crowds will increase. But it should be an exciting uh, end of the season. Yeah, the problem I've got is I'm working a lot of Tuesdays as well, but that's life. I should quickly talk, actually, Matt. We haven't talked about this all season. The Kent Senior Cup, uh, which is pretty much at the end of the second round stage. There's one second round tie still to be played, which is Dartford against Dover uh, on Tuesday. A couple of games played on Tuesday night this week. Uh, Corinthian 4, Ashford United 5 uh, was one of the results. Uh, Margate won 4-3, but that was on penalties uh, after they drew 2-2 against Gillingham also into the last eight we're in the last these will be the last eight so uh, the draws made for the quarterfinals and it will be Welling against Tunbridge Angels Hyde against Ashford Folkestone against Ebbsfleet and Margate will host either uh, Dartford or Dover and the interesting thing is of the ties that have been played so far so that's six of the of the seven five have been decided by penalties oh interesting um I would have thought Dartford against Dover in the week. Dartford will probably play a lot of their first thing. They played in the London Senior Cup, Dartford. Well, London, that's by the by. But, um, yeah, interesting. Again, 
it's like we've, we said about this competition, we went to the final a few years ago, didn't we? Not the greatest competition in the world. It hasn't got the, the buzz as it before, but if you get to the semi-finals, maybe some of these sides will try and um, go on and try and get a result from it. But yeah, it's distraction for some of the clubs. I see Ebsley against Bromley last week. Ebsley played their first team, so maybe rather than training, it's a good opportunity to get some, play, get some more minutes into players. So um, interesting to see that. Yeah, it's I've probably said before, the days of two and a half thousand when they were at home to Maystone in the Kent Senior Cup against Gillingham are probably long gone. Interesting, though, that there will be one East Midlands South East team in the last four, which I, I think is a, is a really positive um, positive thing. And, and yeah, you, you, you kind of can criticise these competitions a little bit and say, well, what's the point uh, uh, and all that. But I, I actually think that as you get towards the end of the season, if you look, some of these clubs have got nothing to play for pretty much all the ones that are still through have got something to play for in the league. But it does, as it's been played that little bit later in the season, I, I, I quite like it, actually. And, and you know, the, the, it, there's obviously been some tight games going to penalties. I, I just think it's I just think it's quite nice, really. And, and you know, I'm enjoying seeing how it's all playing out. Well, if you'd have been in a spectator at the Corinthian 4-Ashford 5 game, you'd probably enjoyed yourself. So uh, maybe, you know, you can take the... Uh, the reins off a little bit these clubs when they do this sort of thing from there anyway and try and um, uh, try a few things out uh, from that point of view. Yeah, Source, who was at that game uh, on Tuesday night, said it looked like neither team had ever defended before, uh, were the exact words of my <laughs> source. Um, so that was, uh, he, he perhaps didn't enjoy it uh, as much as anybody else would have done. That's pretty much it then for the football chat uh, on, on this week's show. Uh, have you seen, it, it's finished now, so we, 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 we wait and we, we binge watch things. We waited to watch Trigger Point. Uh, have you watched it? No, but people said it's dreadful. Uh, we, we're really, really enjoying it. Somebody, well, well I, I, my mate Tom said, because he, he guessed it early. You finished it, have you? And we've we've watched two episodes today, and we've just got right. to finish it. We'll probably finish it after we've done it. While you, when you're off in bed, in your, Andy has entitled tired duvet. I'm going to be watching it. My mate, well, don't follow Tom on Twitter because he gave it away who the baddie is in it. Right. He, he guessed month wages ago. Some people said it, it was a bit samey. No, we haven't watched it. I haven't watched anything. The only thing I've watched over the last week is Cheaters on BBC iPlayer. Have you heard right. about this program? Is that about uh, people who are unfaithful or animals in the jungle? The uh, the former, right? Uh, basically, it's it reminded me of this life for the millennial generation. You know, we've been watching this life. I was a bit young. Yeah, so that's a bit like that. So these hip and trip, this basically, it was quite funny. But the good thing about it, each episode is like eight minutes. There's eighteen what? episodes, so they're eight minutes. So you could just dip in and out of it, rather you know. 50 minutes or half an hour and your concentration might wane. This one is from there. It's just a eight minute episode. So I think you might enjoy it. It's quite funny in places. Um, um, it's a bit rude in places, but um, yeah, I quite enjoyed that. That was easy to dip in and out of, you know, uh, you know, on my lunch break, I could watch three episodes because it was only eight minutes an episode, you know, and you didn't mind doing it from there. We're currently well over an hour of a podcast on non-league football. And you are telling me that I should be watching a television programme that every episode is eight minutes. Yep. Apparently, I was reading up on this, that's the new the, the thinking. Because no one's got any bloody attention span anymore. Exactly. All, oh, ugh, modern life. It, it, works for, it works quite well, though. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's because nobody, nobody has got a concentration span or 
they're on their phones after two minutes to do that. But um, that's, that's, that's what they're, they're trialing these out. So you might find that programs will be 10 minutes, but there'll be a lot of them. Oof, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not feeling it. Can you imagine if we did this podcast like eight minutes a day over a week? I mean, as yeah. well as it being an absolute drain on our time. <laughs> but, no, yeah. it's not. Oh, we're we're going to do the first bit and then tune in tomorrow for our full interview with so-and-so. Tune in the next day to hear our, what we thought of that interview. What a load of waffle. Uh, I th- I, I, you watch it, cheaters, um, uh, and you can see what you think. Eight minute episode and see if you think, oh, I think that's quite a good thing. So um did you have any pancakes it's not a drain on my time did you have any it's pancakes just find on tuesday? To fit it in because did you have pancakes on tuesday yes i have um uh savory ones so i have cheese tomato and a bit of feta and ham in it well the kids had um uh ice cream and stuff like that did you have pancakes so we didn't because we were out bowling uh, and then we went for a Chinese. So some oh. of our party did have pancakes because they had uh, crispy duck pancakes. Um, but we, nice. we were going to have savoury and sweet, which we normally do. But then we decided we'd just go down the sweet route this time. Uh, and so we actually had soup. We, we made a soup this afternoon uh, and then we, we're, we're having pancakes shortly. Uh, so we're having them today. So, but I don't understand. Why do we only have these bloody things once a year? You know, they're, they're nice. Why don't we just have them like every exactly. day? Exactly. We said that. My wife said to my youngest daughter, oh, if you want them again, pancakes, we can have another day. And she came down this morning. Can we have pancakes again? So there you go. That. What did you have at your Chinese though? What, what's your, do you like crispy aromatic duck? I see. Well, I was, I was sharing with Hayley. And uh, while I'm a fan of the crispy aromatic duck, she's yeah. not so therefore the duck was off the menu for us uh so we had sweet and sour chicken uh which was very nice and beef and black bean sauce some noodles and some uh some bits and pieces uh yeah it was the food was nice the service was not uh but we'll do you like a prawn crack, um, a pancake roll yeah like a pancake roll I yeah. do like a big pancake roll but we don't have very rarely have chinese because you know it, it never ta- it never tastes just so salty and uh you never f- finding a good take away either a curry place or a Chinese I find is more and more difficult these days so see now when we moved here we obviously had a blank canvas and we tried a couple of Chineses uh, and we found one it's actually our nearest one it's only five minutes walk away it's right up, it's near the Sainsbury's that we go to but people get so hit up about these uh food hygiene scores and I should point out that the B&B has got a five but the Chinese we go to has only got a two, uh, but the food's bloody amazing. So, you know, it's it's, it's a, a delicate balance. Um, and, and having been through the process of actually getting a five, I know how easy it is to get a bad score. Um, oh, so, you know, it can be the most minor of things. Is that like, a takeaway so, or a restaurant, that one you go to? It's a takeaway. Um, but we only have it two or three times a year. But, you know, yeah, some days in the summer, when, when we've had a busy day cleaning, the last thing you want to do is cook. The last thing you want to do is go out. It's like fire up the chinese yeah, um, exactly. so you know it's one I of those we probably but... will have one sooner rather than later because when you because a lot when we take the dog for a while there's so many restaurants in broadstairs and every time you go past the chinese it smells so good you think oh we should have a chinese so do your kids sure like chinese um they like the duck and sweet corn soup but George, the kids georgia likes prawn crackers and the duck that's it but you you couldn't get them eating a black bean sauce really no they, no they, i suppose not Oh well, anyway, that's, that's it, uh, mate, really. So, what, Champions League next week again? Uh, Champions League Wednesday, Europa League Thursday, and then the following week, Champions League Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Europa League Thursday, and then I've got some other dates in the diary. I don't know what they are. I've got a feeling that some of them are World Cup qualifiers, others maybe 
indoor football again. But hey, I don't care. I, I, if you're listening out there and you're editor of a of, of a sports website, I will cover anything if you pay me. Uh, and I am not fussy about that. I will cover anything for money. Not a problem. Give me a call. Hit me up at John Pips 81 on Twitter, which brings me very nicely, actually, to the fact that you can find the podcast on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. Search for Kent Nonny Podcast. As I just said to any anyone who may want to hire me, I'm at John Pips 81. Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, as we always say, we do love to hear from you. So do keep uh, getting in touch with us. Thanks to all of our guests uh, for their time this week. We really, really appreciate it. Three fascinating interviews, all completely different, uh, but I really, really enjoyed all three of them. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's show. And we'll speak to you next week on the Kent Only Podcast. I'm open for voiceovers because I've got a very, very nice voice. <laughs>